Kindness Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushell. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. A beautiful 2020 from myself, Jane Lindley Thomas. So exciting to be back talking kindness can this year. So, Paul Bushel, have you got uh, New Year's resolutions, Brick? <laughs> it's such a tricky thing because I think you just want to join the conversation sometimes because everyone's talking about it and you, you kind of feel the pressure that I, I, I need to join in here. Uh, but it's one of those years for me where I'm trying really hard not to put too much pressure on myself to come up with a whole list of things that I've got to get through. I know for Kindness Can, you and I, I have had some really great conversations about where we want to take kindness this year, which is wonderful. And as a person, sure, uh, I'm definitely visualizing and intentionalizing some stuff, but I also want to be careful in the way that I'm setting it up for myself. Well, every year we go away to a game farm with such very dear friends, and it's like a pilgrimage yeah. uh, because it kind of culminates in the, the two families standing on a place called Signal Hill, and uh, the dads make a fire, and we arrive at the fire with two pieces of paper. The first piece of paper is something that we've overcome from the year that's just gone and something that we hope to achieve for the year going forward. Mm -hmm. And it was so cute. I mean, this is the third year that we've done it and the kids all knew, you know, going in. But they all had a lot of things. And I was like, guys, choose one thing, you know. And I, I think that we need to be careful of how we set these things up for our children so that they don't or they get the impression that they aren't good enough the way they are. Sure. So, oh, my gosh, I love a ritual. Um, so that just, I want to pause there for a second and just yeah, really pull that out, that I think introducing consistent, predictable rituals into children's lives and into our lives as adults is always such a wonderful, healthy thing to do. I'm just imagining all of you standing there and engaging in it and reflecting on it. So I think that that can be a great thing to do at the top of the year and to include our children in those kind of reflective rituals just sounds wonderful. So, it's so special. Uh, so special. So special. At the same time, I think we've got to – kids learn from what they see. You know, we're saying this all the time. And as adults, the adults in the room, we've got to be quite conscious of some of the things that we're saying and we're doing in front of our children because that becomes the, the basis for their own self-talk uh, and the way that they view themselves in processes which sometimes can be quite complex like the narratives around goal setting and setting expectations for yourself. And so the language around it's got to be really, really important because I don't think we want to create this impression at the beginning of each year that in some way the old you wasn't good enough Mm. and there weren't wonderful things that you can bring into this new year and just keep doing. And that's fantastic. So if I think about what the kids threw into the fire, so my one child uh, threw in eating slower. Now, this particular child was born with a tongue tie. So I think from very early on, eating was more of a function as opposed to anything else. And because he didn't have the movement of his tongue, he kind of ate in a different way. And we always just like, bro, slow down. I can't have you choke. You need to chew your food. So he of his own accord came up with, I need to eat slower. So he threw it into the ambers and off it went. My second child uh, threw in talking back. 
sassy that one. <laughs> and for me, like I want to raise children that obviously, as you know, they're not entitled. They're grateful for everything, but they also need to be forward thinking and confident. Yet there's a very thin line between confidence and precocious. Sure. And I think it's quite interesting which is probably a conversation for another day. But when I grew up, it was certainly children are seen and not heard, more of that, as opposed to a child being able to converse in quite an adult way. Mm. So for her, she was like, I'm going to throw talking back into the fire. I was like, Flip, you throw that paper. <laughs> I want to see that I smoke. I want to see that burn, you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially when you start doing that cobra neck, like you just come out of a, some sort of hip-hop video, okay? And the third one was to apply himself better at school. And these are totally, I said, guys, whatever you write, this has got to be your thing. And then what I wrote was twofold. One was I realized that last year, 2019, as hard as I wanted. And the one thing that I really battled to do in my life is to get a hold of my body weight. Mm -hmm. And I kind of move between deprivation and feast or famining mm-hmm. kind of mentality. Yeah. And I think I realized with all the shifting that was happening in my world last year that that wasn't the year of the body for me. That I needed to get my headspace and my soul aligned so that then I could carry it through into the body. So health is a big one for me. I've made it and said it's the year of yoga. But also in saying that and prioritizing my health and my body and my well-being to make more time for Mike and I together. Yeah, I because that. I think we've spent so much time in the last nine years pouring into the children that sometimes we forget to pour into ourselves. Sure, sure. It was such a big part of our conversations last year about that, especially when raising children, finding moments to prioritize ourselves and and our partners on that journey. It's such a big one that so many couples, uh, so many people raising children together struggle with. I think, you know, as we're talking here and and we're talking about children and, and goal setting, as much as we've got to be conscious of the narrative around it and the way that we set it up. I think we have to be very careful in the way that we Mm. do it, especially so that we don't create this impression that the old you was bad Mm. in some way. But we know that goal setting and having dreams is a really, really important part of fostering resilience. And that sounds might sound kind of a strange thing to bring in at this moment. But resilience is the ability to yeah, we, we used to talk about it in terms of bouncing back, mm. but it's more the ability to kind of rise up uh, and keep moving forward in your life in some way, wherever that starting point might be for you. And of course, it's, it's one of the most important job skills of the future, that in a constantly changing world, young people will need to have that ability that, yo, that was a curveball. Yeah. Uh, my industry just suddenly did a 360. Uh, my job no longer exists. Uh, I need that ability to keep going. Uh, and find that inner strength inside of me. And I was part of a great project uh, called Kazimula, part of the University of the North, Northwest. And some of their research that came out there was uh, there were three main factors to resilience in South Africa. And that was dream, do, and connect. So we need to foster children from as young as possible to start imagining what is it that I want to do. Start with the end in mind. And then you have the ability to work backwards. So if that's where I want to be, what are the steps that I need to do to actually get there? So you, you, you sit down and you create an action plan with your child. Mm. That's where I want to be. These are the steps that I've got to take. And the third really important part uh, of resilience in children and in adults, and it's such a big thing for so many of us because our pride sometimes gets in the way, but that's the ability 
to ask for help and to to hold hands with people, leverage connections, uh, because no one's going to achieve things by just kind of chipping away at yourself. It's the old story of of how do we eat an elephant? Not one bite at a time because it will go rot and rotten, but by inviting as many hungry animals to the table as possible. So I think engaging in these goal-setting activities uh, with our kids is an incredibly valuable thing to do. But setting it up in a ritual and surrounded by a narrative which is nurturing and embracing of of uniqueness, of past success is also really an important thing to take into consideration. And you saying got that, that, it's quite interesting because I think as a parent, some of the time you fall into that trap of, uh, if I do this for you, it will be a lot easier for everybody. So, for example, my one son loves to have a piece of toast every now and then. And I'm usually the one that says, okay, put the toast in the toaster. And then I take over by putting the butter and the marmite on because I don't want the butter stabbed within an inch of its life with marmite <laughs> stabbing <laughs> knives. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, last night I walked into Call the kitchen. Call in CSI. I, Where did this marmite I, on the butter come from? I promise from? you, it looked like a crime scene. <laughs> but I realized that when I've asked you to pack your stuff the night before and you know that that's what's going to happen and you arrive at school and you don't have your swimming kit and you don't swim and the repercussion thereafter, I have to let that go. Mm. And when I come into the CSI kitchen and there's Marmite all over the counter and you've used every knife because of whatever the reason is, I've just got to allow you that independence, as messy as it looks and feels, to kind of get on with it. Yeah. And it's so counterintuitive. Yeah. And the thing that jumps into mind as, as, as you're talking, of course, is that First of all, these goals, they've got to come from our kids. So the things that we're sitting down and and prioritizing for our children's year, we've got to be so careful that it comes from them and where their interests and their values and their emerging personality and identity takes them and, and how they want their life to look. And I think as a parent raising children in a constantly changing world where we feel like there's certain things they have to do, else they're just not going to cut it and they're not going to make it. And we want to we want to piggyback them through that process. And we know what goals will be good for them, in inverted commas. Um, we've got to be so careful of just suspending that for a moment and allowing them to figure out what is important for them. And because they buy into it, it also allows you on the journey of the year as these goals, the ebb and flow of achieving these goals happen because there will be good days and there will be bad days. It allows for great conversations about what's making this easy and what's making this hard and who can we ask to help us and and how can I help you? And when you're not helping yourself, well, you have to be accountable to that. These are wonderful conversations. And I think as a parent, it is so counterintuitive because Mm. we are afraid that they're not going to arrive at a place which will be safe for them one day. And so it sometimes seems so much easier. Just throw them on our backs. We know where we'll be good for you. And here we go. Yeah, but I mean, of course, it's just um, projecting, isn't it? Because as the parent, you're coming into the story with your own story and your own triggers and your own memories and your own fears, and you're throwing them on your back, laden with your narrative and just kind of their voice as a side note. Sure. And I think it's funny how health, I don't know what it is, but how our physical bodies often come up as a big thing at New Year. Maybe it's overindulgence Mm. without a care in the world in December. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe that's what it's about. But I think narratives around that and goal setting around bodies and the way bodies should look and what we do with bodies, we've got to be careful around, around our kids when we start talking about stuff like that because a lot of our own narrative can seep down. Well, to be honest with you, I was fat shamed by my daughter. <laughs> this is the cobra neck. 
So it's Cobra, <laughs> Sassy Cobra. So Sassy Cobra, and bless her, I mean, uh, she is Princess just, Lula. Oh, just hey. adore her. I yeah. mean, my kids, what a blessing. Treasure um, of my heart. Oh, my love. <laughs> so I said to her, you know, this is the year of yoga, and she kind of, I could see her chewing it over, and she says to me, will you lose weight if you do yoga? And I was like, gosh, Shrek, you've just cut me to my core. And because those, there's so many triggers in that for me, I took it really defensively. And I let it like go and then I followed her up to her bedroom and I was like, listen, do you think that I need to lose weight? Because I'm like, is this going to set her up for never being at home in her body? And I don't want her to struggle with the narrative like I have and the self-talk and the self-sacrificing and crucifying. And she's like, no, your body's perfect the way it is. And I was like, okay, right. Um, I said, well, you know, I'd like to be honest with you about my past with my body at school. And she got quite teary about it. Mm-hmm. Saying, but mama never said that your body wasn't perfect. And I was like, my girl, I didn't say that you said that. Now all of a sudden I'm like, my gosh, I'm in the lonely island of swimming between sharks. I don't know how to get out. And I was like, well, if ever anyone shames you or you feel shameful towards your body, she's like, I don't. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the parent in the room and I don't know how to navigate. I don't know how to get out of here. Yeah. It was really scary. It's a hard moment. Oh my gosh. Hey, parenting <laughs> is so tough and your intentions are so well-meaning in that moment okay you, you're trying to to protect her from a whole lot of stuff that becomes part of of many of our lives and so of course the intention is so well-meaning but i think you're raising such a an interesting point here about our narratives and how how we play them out and communicating them with our kids and we've got to be careful of that and it's about balance because that conversation to me sounds like a wonderful conversation. Where it was feel about wonderful. Yeah, of being vulnerable with each other. And if you are feeling midway through a conversation and it's kind of like, I don't know where we're at here. Uh, feels like a bit of my stuff coming in here. Find a way to conclude the conversation that feels healthy for them and you revisit it at a later stage. That's the joy of the journey of, of raising kids and growing up. Uh, with appearances, we don't have to have one conversation about it and that's the end of it. True. We, we can keep coming back to it and we can keep exploring this as two New Year's resolutions, Brett. <laughs> she shut me down. She's like, we're done with this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Fine. I'm done with this. Take the cue. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the cue. And then she like left the bedroom and I was like, I have just put all my stuff on her. Because maybe she was asking if yoga, because she's seen me do it at home, is a way of losing weight. So it might have been a genuinely legit Totes. scientific question. But I came in all like broken and yeah. destroyed by <laughs> whatever that yeah. is. Also taking into consideration, we just spent a week with my sister in Cape Town. She is a instructor at the gym. She gyms twice a day. She is in mint condition. And my sister was obviously going to gym when we were in the home and Lula saw her leave and it probably was a very innocent question. Yeah. So I think we turn regret into wisdom, if that's what we're saying. That if that conversation kind of went a bit off down the side path, uh, what can I learn from that? That I've got to be more conscious of my stuff and my narrative. And when is it right and not right to bring it into her space? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're living and we're learning here. Mm. You and I are so committed to a type of parenting, which is not about always getting it right or, or perfection because I think that's an impossible thing as a parent to try and achieve and it's a very unhealthy benchmark to try role model in front of our children and so there it is we had a messy moment together and we've learned something from it we reflected something from it and we hope next time it goes better I think for me my biggest fear is oversharing because I'm so not wanting to be a mother where my children 
I don't know what's going on in their life and I'm not accessible to them and they're not accessible to me. I feel like sometimes, not in a, in a way that's age-appropriate or not age-appropriate, but definitely in a way that um, the way in which I converse, I sometimes feel like, oof, maybe there was just too much. Because of the fear that I hope not to be a parent that everyone else knows what your kids are doing except for you. Yeah. But there's such a thin line between. Yeah, and it's about feeling your way through it, unfortunately. I wish I could sit here and say, <laughs> hold on, Jane, I'm pulling the book out Please from the do. bottom drawer. Please pull it out. <laughs> Page 365 <laughs> says. Hashtag uh, raising kids. <laughs> raising children. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's about feeling it out. And that's part of the absolutely wonderfully tough part of this job. It's just so joyous that we can be a mom and a dad for the first time and you can get to be kids for the first time and we can, we can suss this out together. I think having open communication is a rule of thumb with our kids and being open and real and vulnerable sometimes with our kids is a wonderful way to be. But of course, we've got to keep that balance because they can't become our therapists. Uh, they can't become our punching bag or whatever it is. So we, we, we've got to balance it out as we go along. And I suppose each kid is also different. So I know that on your uh, list of things to do was we trying this intermittent fasting thing. Yeah. Which is quite exciting because if I look at the clock now, <laughs> it really does mean that we can break something bready together. It's not like your bread, but yeah, please. I insist on sharing a piece of my ostrich divorce out of my... Oh, my God. Out of my lunchbox. You break fast together. Yeah. Let's break it. Right. I'm feeling so much better, even just the smell of it. <laughs> so I think also being realistic in our... Our goal setting. Also, not to set ourselves up to disappoint ourselves that in the middle of February, we said we would run five times a week and not eat carbs nor drink during the week. And you're back there and you're hating on yourself. You know, because all of last year, we worked so hard on managing our self-talk about ourselves and learning how to be gentler and kinder in that self-talk. So come the new year, we set all these goals for ourselves. And suddenly in our quest to achieve all of them, all the time, perfectly, that old goal goes out the window and we're suddenly back back on that old bandwagon of being really unkind to ourselves. And so we've got to be really mindful of bringing into the new year the parts of ourselves uh, that we really liked from last year and the achievements and um, advances we made last year into this year as well. And for me, a big part of that, as much as I, I want to be healthier this year, a big part of that was managing my self-talk this year. And so I'm not going to let that go. Mm. I think also for me, a big shift is that exercise, as much as I want to be engaged in it, it's not a punishment. It's actually a celebration. And that's taken me a long time to understand and, and forming that relationship with exercise. It's got to be a gift. Else what kind of goal is that? Mm. If it feels like a punishment, that's no goal that I want. Me neither. It's really struck such a chord with me. It says... A toast to the old you. Now, if you feel inspired to use the new year to help you reset or change habits, great. And yet, the old you has survived every terrible day, every hard thing, every awful circumstance, and every heartbreak you've ever felt. The old you is a fighter, and that's worth celebrating. Oh, I love that. Isn't it, Devon? Yeah, Go well into the new year. Oh, we love you. Until we connect again. Listen, if you'd love to um, book Paul and I, we're so passionate about taking kindness facilitation into different spaces uh, as far as into the classroom, into halls with teachers and parents, into corporate spaces, into the community. If you'd like to connect with us, you can drop us an email at info at kindnesscan.co.za. Love you lots. Chat soon, guys. 
You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.